finally some focus. I know, I've been a little here and there. <laughs> some things just had to play themselves out. Waking up post-cancer was weird. I have a recurring vision seared into my brain that defines the era that followed. A near-drowning victim, emerging from the water, all bulging eyes and gasping breath. On my 50th birthday, I woke up in my parents' house in a bed that was once my brother's and then my firstborn son's. I was homeless, bankrupt, separated from my husband and children, jobless, carless, and very, very sick. I was just nearing the end of an aggressive four-month chemo regime. I refuse to call it therapy. And about to embark on an out-of-town six-week radiation rampage. Again, I call bullshit on the therapy descriptor. It was just two weeks into the beginning of the worldwide COVID-19 lockdown, and I really couldn't have been more immunocompromised if I'd tried. And I lived with octogenarians. That meant we didn't see the outside world for many, many months. It meant spending my birthday, Easter, Mother's Day, without seeing my kids. It meant they were afraid of coming within six feet of me or being indoors with me for over a year for fear of being the one that brought the germ that killed me. It was hell. A drawn-out shitstorm of hippopotamic proportions. This is called endurance. Yes, it was hell. And I'm here to tell you it was a pretty wild ride, but I'm out the other side. And you know what that means. It means that you can imagine getting out the other side of your debacles, too. I like to share the things that got me through and pass forward tools that help me find joy in my shitstorms, so you can in yours. One morning, out the other side of the period I like to think of as the Great Train Wreck, it seemed to go on for miles, I woke up gasping and heading in all directions. It was one week to the day after my last radiation treatment. I had had a full week of rest, not asking anything of myself, and then I woke up expecting it was time to figure out what was next. It was, after all, the question on everyone's lips. This moment of awakening led to an era defined by that aforementioned image. The moment a near-drowning victim breaks the surface of the water and eyes bulging wide as they gasp and gulp for air. That's how life felt. I kept waking up expecting to know the answers. And when, at the end of the day, I seemed no closer, I stopped sleeping. There were so many things I wanted to do. I wrote my friend and mentor, Carmen, a 12-page letter about all the things I wanted to do. And I went off like a shot. Well, like a shot with a gammy leg, a bad back, and a body still soaked in poisons. More like madly off in all directions than a shot, I suppose. What I hadn't accounted for, beyond the anxiety, was the brain fog. I'm not sure anyone does justice to what it's like to be expected to think and remember things, and be incapable of doing things you once could. Blog posts took days. Decisions were impossible. And being patient wasn't an option. I needed a miracle. So I thought. I thought I couldn't go on living on ODSP. That's our meager provincial disability support. I couldn't go on living somewhere my children didn't want to be, 
dependent on the good nature of my parents. No, I thought, this can't go on. It has to end now. <laughs> well, I'm here to say it didn't end now. I woke up from the aftermath of cancer in July of 2020 and thought I should be basically fully functional. Now, as we approach 2023, I am finally A, accepting a whole bunch of things I cannot do, and B, I have prioritized what is left and figured out what's at the root of what's most important to me. I need to build time into my life to write. It seems to be part of my DNA, my purpose, and the reason I'm still alive today. And if I'm going to write, I have to give up many of the ways I wanted to help the various audiences I wanted to help in the ways I thought I wanted to help them. Having recognized my limitations and let go of ideas of being the owner-operator of a therapeutic farm, I'm able to embrace creating other things and take the time to produce them. In the end, I've boiled it down to this. I want to sit at the intersection of resilience and horsecraft and talk about what helps humans and horses find a harmonious language, the magic we're all looking for with horses, and what we need to find joy in our shitstorms. My focus now, rebranding away from a leg up, there were others, and take the lead as I shelve the idea of farm-based life skills sessions for now, and focus on one thing, writing, blogging, podcasting, and online education for adult amateur horse lovers. There will be a pause in output as I shift to a new platform and build a website under my new banner, The Magic of Horsecraft. The course my dad and I have been building all along will be called From Muggle to Magician, Making Magic with Horses. And it's being uploaded one video at a time from my little cabin in Northern Ontario. Our mission? To help you move from Muggle to Magician in the art of horsecraft and life. And how would I know what it takes? Yeah, that's a fair question. I know because... I once worked magic in the world of international horsecraft. And then I went from magician to muggle and back again in a pretty epic journey that seen me move from a rock star of the horse world, lose my magical ability to connect with them and get it back. I was once a veritable magician known for my ability to calm nervous horses. Learned from shadowing my dad, an equine veterinarian, since my toddlerhood. There was no question about it. I had the gift. I had the touch. I had feel. I was a natural. I was a prodigy on a pony winning in the open division against adults since I was nine years old. To pay for my career in international eventing, I rehabilitated confirmed bolters and rearers, horses that no one else would get on. If it was talented but dangerous, there were people who would say, Send it to that tall Canadian girl. She'll ride it. She'll ride anything. <laughs> and I usually would. It went for me. And I didn't know why. It was something I couldn't teach. And I talked to my dad about it all the time. Some things you just can't teach some people, Paige, he would often say ruefully. Usually just after I'd come through the door frustrated from yet another fruitless, feelless frustrating lesson with an adult amateur horse lover, pouring everything they've got into this horse thing 
and it ain't what they dreamed it would be. I could get on their horses and show them how, but there was some magic I had that I just couldn't transmit. And then I lost the magic. I was robbed of the thing that my whole identity was wrapped up in. When my nervous system, ravaged by the effects of abuse, bankruptcy, separation, and a double mastectomy, and then my body, physically pummeled by chemotherapy and radiation, both let me down. I found myself a muggle on the outside of the world of horsecraft, looking in. In losing and subsequently regaining what I lost, I've been able to pinpoint the essentials required to improve timing, feel, confidence, understanding, and create a magical connection between humans and horses. My father and I together are uniquely positioned to help adult amateur horse lovers sift through the mountain of conflicting information in the horse world and become the confident equine steward their horse needs them to be. Together, we can help you understand how your horse thinks and reacts the way it does to develop the mutually beneficial relationship of your dreams and access the magic that has once been missing between you so far. My dad and I have come up with a series of courses aimed at helping you, the average horse-loving human who wasn't born into a horsey family, discern between disparate methods and be able to cross-train your horse with various mentors and make a recipe for magic all your own that has you sleeping soundly and your horse running up to greet you upon arrival. You'll know how to make your horse happy and you're guaranteed to be able to customize your learning with personalized feedback and live Q&A sessions. From Muggle the Magician, Making Magic with Horses is the first in a series of three courses, the foundation of what every horse steward should know to make informed decisions about training methods, stabling, and general care. In a confusing world with endless ways to interact with horses, we'll give you what you need to choose a pro and a place for you and your horse that align with your values and honor your horse's intrinsic needs. Stay tuned to get my new freebie, a video excerpt from our new course that gives you the one thing I think is most overlooked when training horses. Learn the one most important thing that led to my unlikely success on a little crossbred Irish draft in the Olympic sport of three-day eventing and how to apply it to create trust, calm your nervous horse, avoid explosive behaviors like rearing and bolting, and settle your horse into a new place and situations. How to increase your confidence, will even help avoid refusals and chip-ins, and help you be the leader your horse needs you to be to get out of all kinds of tight spots. You can email me, page, at themagicofhorsecraft.com to get your free video and PDF while I work out the kinks of website creation and become you can become one of our founding members with special privileges and pricing as this all rolls out. Until then, as always, take a chance and remember, anything is possible.